Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good people. Ah, yeah, you know what it is. Hard worker, scrappy, unfiltered, and sometimes unhinged football content. Hard to explain, but you know it when you see it. Doing it daily our way. I don't know what you're talking about right now. Redraft and Dynasty Fantasy Football, we got you covered. You know their defense is ranked like 31st in the NFL? NFL draft prospects and rookies? Now you know you in the right place for that. Absolutely. All right, then stop saying it. Then we're done. And prop bets with my man Jay Rich. Count that money, man. Now wipe the crust out of your eyes. Get you a cup of coffee. It's time to wake your ass up with Ray G. You honestly are making absolutely no sense and you sound silly as hell. Let's get it, GMGP. <laughs> What's going down, good people? It is Monday, June the 5th, 2023. Y'all decided to wake y'all asses up with Ray G. And for that, I appreciate every single view, everything single eye every single listen um that's in the building today it's been a minute man it's been almost it's been three weeks since i've been on live and it's been close to a month since jay rich and i were able to do a show together i'm excited to be here we got a good show for you a lot is happening right now for all the parents out there with children you all empathize and understand where we're at right now. Today is the first day of summer camp, so we get the kiddo out of the house today. Yes, we are excited about that. So hopefully all y'all parents out there are keeping your sanity. I've been out for a minute, man. I have vacation. I have some work stuff. My son's going crazy in baseball. So it's just been a wild, wild, wild time over here at Destination Debbie. But thank y'all for everybody who tapped in during the week that I was out with Jay Rich and Jordan Vanek. Shout out to him and the 33rd team. Once again, shout out to the whole DD crew, man. Y'all are still supporting the podcast feed, everything that we're doing over at Destination Devi. I just released my updated Dynasty rankings yesterday and um, sort of um, I, I told the people yesterday, Jay, I don't know if you saw the video, but I'm, I'm secretly, secretly becoming more of a data guy, man. The film oh, is uh, the film oh, is yeah. good. The film provides context, but I think the way that I'm moving forward with some, th- some of the stuff in fantasy, it's hard to dispute. Um, the data and the, and the analytics. So I'm sort of shifting my vibe in that range, but that's kind of what's been going on with me. Um, but we're back. I know Jay Rich last week um, announced a new content change, new schedule change. So moving forward, Wake Up will only be once a week through the summertime. This is like the only time we get to sort of pull back a little bit while there's still a lot of just not a lot going on in the NFL landscape. So the show will be Mondays moving forward just throughout the summer. Once we get into the season, close to August, we'll ramp back up two, three, four times per week. But right now, Monday shows, they will be a little bit longer. There's going to have a lot more structure to them um, starting next week. Just some different things we want to incorporate into the show. But for June and July, for the most part, in the early part of August, it'll just be a Monday show. A little bit longer. We'll do a little bit more. want to incorporate a mailbag section to really answer some people's questions that they have from the fantasy space. NFL, content creation, whatever the case may be. But we got a lot of dope stuff lined up for you. Let me see who's in the building. I didn't, I didn't even I didn't even see who, who my people were in the building. Jay Peters, good morning to you, my friend Jay. Good to see you. Marlon's in the building. Kevin, John, Graphic 13. What's happening with you, Graphic 13? Um, Antoine Davis, Ty Declare in the building. As always, Cold World TDE, Rico Stone, Seven Goat Rings, Scott Connor in the building. What's up, Scott? 
rumors. Let's make it a great week. Yeah, we got, we, we'll stay away from the rumors, but we will be talking about a lot of what's happening um, in the NFL. My boy Fizzle Dollars in the building. What's happening? Fizzle, uh, L. Wood, Andrew in the building, Jimbo. We got a good crew here. Got a good crew here and excited to dive into all things NFL here in a few minutes. But I got to kick it to Jay Rich. How you doing this morning, man? I'm good, bro. I'm good. You know, it's good to have you back. Good to be back. Uh, shout out to Goat Rings. He said I held it down the week you were gone. That's right. Uh, you know, you're your your Lakers. You've been oh, ducking on, me man. for weeks. Come on, bro. Come um, Ray, what's hilarious, right? So I did the show with Vanek on Wednesday, and at that point in time, you had the Lakers about to get swept and the Celtics about to get swept. It's like 13 days later now. Finals has kicked off. The Heat man tied it up one one last night. Yeah. I haven't even watched. I haven't watched a single NBA playoff game. I've been tapped into baseball fully. Y'all know I've been doing the baseball videos. Um, shout out to the Jays. They swept the Mets, their first road series sweep of the year. So great for them to get going. But honestly, um, like you said, it's been a time for me to decompress, me to relax. You've been gone, so less distractions that way. Y'all know Ray G <laughs> keeps me busy sometimes. But um, for me, you know, like you said, Ray, we have a lot of things we're doing behind the scenes in terms of uh, me putting together graphics, developing yep. the show further, making yep. it the best show it could be. And I think that's where the people are going to get the most value out of this time. I know y'all are sad that we're only going once a week, but trust me, what's going to end up happening as a result that's what you're going to see over the coming months, days, because what we're trying to do is make this much bigger than it is presently. And we love y'all for it, for where we're at, but we have so much further to go. And I think with the plans that we have in place, we're going to be able to do that. So that's been the main focus, I think, for both of us. But excited to be back on screen. Both of us back together. The band back is together. back together. Back together. After how much time? It's been a minute. And we have to talk about man's running in shorts against DBs, against well, that's, air. That's And that's the season we're in. So there's nothing we can do. We got to talk about it. We've been gone a while. A lot of good reports. A lot of positive reports. Some negative stuff. Some players can't hit the mesh net. Some some can, some footwork critics out there. Lots of things going on in the NFL world. What does it mean? Probably well, nothing, but I'm happy to find out. Let's get into it, right? Well, well, and I just want to say, like, just as a reminder of where we are, like, truly in the process, because there is a lot of stuff happening right now. But at this point, everybody knows it's OTAs. We'll be doing that for the for the next couple of months. Um, and then training camp kicks off next month. Like, we're really, I think somebody tweeted yeah. it out. Yesterday that we've got eight more weekends, Jay, eight more weekends of okay. nothing until we have some sort of football every weekend until February. So we only got eight more weeks, yeah. eight more weeks. Till Hall of Fame. And then I think it's it's either the Hall. Yeah, it's got to be the Hall of Fame game. It's got to be the Hall yeah. of Fame game. But at that point, we will have football every single weekend until February yep. and the wake up show will be going on every single damn day and we'll be back in the content creation mode. But just a little reminder of where we are in the NFL process, Jay, and you know, I kind of talked to, I kind of talked to the patrons about this the other day in the Discord. Like, I know there's a lot of stuff happening in OTAs right now. There's a lot of football, yep. a lot of NFL, and there's a lot of, um, I, I, I don't want to call it evaluation, but flag planting this early <laughs> in June and May. And yeah. I, I don't know how else to say this, but. If there were a time to not hit the net, if there were a time to throw interceptions, if there were a time yeah. to to do it, like now is the time to do that. This is OTAs. This is the time where for NFL teams, like it's a lot of install because once you get to training camp, you don't have time to install. You don't have time to learn the plays and figure yeah. out the formations. Like now's the time to screw up 
And then when you get to training camp and when the pads come on, that's when you don't want to have those mistakes, right? So as you see your favorite player airmail air, air a pass or or drop a catch or not running in, at full speed, like this is the time in May, in June, if that's going to happen, this is the time to do that. And I see a lot of people kind of overreacting, swinging the pendulum too far in either direction. But, you know, just just a little reminder of uh, of where we are in in the process, Jay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, there's so many things going on. Twitter clips galore. Um, we do have mandatory minicamp from the 14th to the 16th, so you should see a lot of yes. clips then. You'll see a lot more players at training camp, at practices, all that stuff with the team. Um, right now, it's still kind of optional. There's a lot of rookie things going on, but that's when we will probably see everyone in the building for physicals, for workouts, and, and we'll probably see plenty more clips to go around. But there is a lot of stuff that we do have to get through um, right now. And, and like you said, it's, it's fluff, but... The key is to not overreact. Pay attention because these these are the kind of moments when we get the Deontay Johnson's playing outside and Juju's playing in the slot. And if you took advantage of those reports early in the offseason, that really paid off for you. So you do want to pay attention to what's going on and how these players are being valued and how they're lining up if you can find those reports because there is some information to be had. But just don't go all the way over the pendulum because it doesn't mean that these things are going to happen. And, and I think, you know, you look at some of these underdog drafts and why these guys are rising or falling. There's some positive reports, some negative reports, but it doesn't mean that it's all legit, right? There's always going to be movement in the market, whether you're playing Dynasty, whether you're just looking at the NFL as a whole. But you look at underdogs sometimes and you're like, these guys are flying up and down the boards. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why. And sometimes it's literally just because some guy made a catch in practice. Yeah. Well, that's what's crazy. Well, crazy. Well, well, underdog drafts are a good way to sort of gauge where the community is valuing certain players going into the seasons. It's a very good snapshot of how the masses, because we all know, right, with Best Ball Mania 4, and shout out to underdog, you see him in the banner. Um, those are our sponsors who pay the bills, right? Use the promo code Wake Up for 100% deposit match up to, up to $100, and then you can join in. The Best Ball Mania Live Contest, $15 million in prizes, $3 million to first place. But this is where people are sort of showing you how and, and why they value certain players, uh, you know, across the NFL landscape, Jay. And you put together a dope graphic of just the top five risers and fallers over uh, the in the last seven days, the ADP changes. So let's just walk through this and kind of talk about some of the players that are moving up and down, some of the players that are moving up, the top five uh, movers and the top five fallers, man. So, I mean, right off the top, for people who aren't watching the video, you have Rondell Moore and Marquise Brown. Rondell Moore is up almost 30 spots in ADP. Wow. Marquise Brown up 11.7. <laughs> of course, yeah, Ray, of course, has to give the air horn for Rondell Moore. It's Rondell Moore's season again. Oh, yeah. um, this is, of course, on the back of the DeAndre Hopkins news because there was the time when he was going to be released, and then, well, maybe he's not going to be released. He's at the facility now, officially released, and we will get into that later, implications of all of that. But on Underdog, you're seeing it reflected in the ADP of a Rondell Moore, of a Marquise Brown. You know, now you look at Marquise Brown. He's in the seventh round between Gabe Davis and Deontay Johnson. And, you know, you look at that value and you're like, okay, you know, he could easily be the target leader on the team. And that's where you get kind of the Deontay Johnson vibes. You want a guy who's going to get a lot of targets. What does the actual upside beyond that look like? Hard to say because the quarterback play is going to be questionable for we don't really know how long. And even when Kyler Murray does come back, doesn't mean that he's all of a sudden going to become this stalwart asset. Right. And then another guy. Right. Because I do want your opinion on this one. List obviously is down now, but Tank Bigsby is rising. And I'm sure you've seen this a little bit. You were kind of gone when the ETN slander was hot. And it was hot. 
ETN stinks. He's not a goal line back. He can't carry the load. They need right. your tank, Bigsby. Meanwhile, the Jags GM has drafted a running back in every draft for like the past eight years or something. Like something ridiculous. He's just a guy who Trent Bulky drafts running backs every year. Every year mm -hmm. drafts running backs. And now people are saying, oh, yeah, ETN can't really catch. He's not the best catch catcher. Remember when he was going into his senior season and he said he was afraid to catch passes? It's kind of like it's coming full circle for ETN. And now you see Bigsby rising. But at the same time, you know, are you taking him over Jalen Warren? Are you taking him over Raheem Mostert? Are you taking him over Deontay Foreman? And for me, I don't know if I would. I think I believe in what those guys' roles could be. And in terms of Jalen Warren specifically, he probably has one of the best secondary roles in the NFL outside of, you know, maybe a Tony Pollard not being the featured back in Dallas, which we don't expect to happen. But like as a backup running back, Jalen Warren's probably one of the better ones you want to have. And Mostert can be obviously a co-dominant back as well. But how do you feel about Tank Bigsby, the other riser? I mean, Jerome Ford, Tyquan Thornton. Not a lot to say with those guys. Tyquan Thornton like could be the alpha for New England. Jerome Ford, uh, obviously Nick Chubb's backup. Let me tell you right now, there's no alpha no. in New England. No, just, someone's got to be right the now. alpha. Someone's no. got to be the alpha. Someone's let me tell be. you, it's not going to be Tyquan Thornton. Um, if, if you paid attention to anything that I've been doing over the past couple of days, you would know that his target share percentage is awful, below 15%. His air yard percentage is awful, below 20%. His yards after catch per reception, below average. Yards per out run, bad. Quarterback, below average. Like, there is no alpha. It doesn't matter. When I look at this list of risers, it sort of makes sense, right? The Arizona Cardinals got a boost because Nuke is gone. Really excited about Hollywood Brown this year. I think he could be a sneaky, just kind of target hog in that offense and just, you yeah. know, volume his way to some some sort of relevance. Uh, Jerome Ford, I mean, he's going to get an opportunity in Cleveland. That's the big thing. They didn't bring back Kareem Hunt. We know that Nick Chubb is one of the most talented two-down early runners in the NFL, but that's what he is. He's a two-down guy. Um, anything other than that, Rondell Moore, I mean, I, I, I mean, best. Now, I do have to ask you about he, one player. Uh, Undrafted, Michael Wilson. Any it, interest in Michael Wilson, Ray? I mean, there, there's, there's interest to a degree as to they could see the ball, but the issue with Arizona, yeah. and we'll talk about them later, is the quarterback position, man. I just... Without without quarterback play, who's it going to be? It, you, you like Wilson, you like Brown. It's not everybody. I mean, think about how many people, you know, people are pumping up in that offense. Trey McBride at tight end, Michael Wilson yeah. is receiver, Rondell Moore, Marquise Brown, Greg Dortch, James Con Like, if it's Colt McCoy, if it's Clayton Toon, Clayton Toon like somebody's yeah. getting screwed, right? So that's just the reality of it. And then you look at the players that are falling – uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, because of everything that's being reported with him failing the physical, he's down yep. almost 20 spots, a little almost 21 spots, excuse me. Kyler Murray down 16 spots. Josh Downs down 13 spots. Michael Mayer, I mean, I, I guess this is uh, the correlation with Jimmy Garoppolo falling, Michael Mayer yeah. falls, and then you've got Jalen Hyatt falling seven spots over the last seven days with reports out of New York that it's about to be the Darren Waller show and you know, the, the role is hard to see for Jalen Hyatt. No shit. It's 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 May, June, early June. So he's a rookie third round receiver. Of course, the role is going to be difficult to kind of figure out for a player like that. But when you just look at that and just kind of figure out what, what this tells me as I look at this list, let me tell you what it tells me. The biggest takeaway for me from this list is if I'm playing in dynasty leagues and I know Scott's Scott Connors talked about this quite a bit as well. I'm sending out offers for Kyler Murray. People are pretty bearish on that situation. And the fact that Arizona has two 
potentially two of the first two picks in the 2024 yep. NFL draft. It just lends more uh, speculation that he could be replaced by Caleb Williams. You look at the contract and think, I don't know how he could do that, but but maybe, right? Maybe Arizona's just like, we'll figure it out, we'll move him. But he's the type of cat that, you know, from a fantasy football perspective, I'm not talking NFL winning games and, and championships, but from a fantasy perspective, I think the, the sour sentiment on Kyler Murray is definitely an opportunity to sort of jump back in on him in Dynasty and, and, and try to acquire him. Yeah, absolutely right. Kyler Murray's a guy that if you could get him for a decent price, I would be willing to do it because he's still a top 12 quarterback for me. And we've talked about this incessantly, wow. it feels like. As much as we like some of these guys, um, the rookies, the Bryce Youngs, the CJ Strouds, like if Kyler Murray hits, and to be fair, that feels like a pretty big projection based off his analytics right now, um, he could be phenomenal. And we've seen him be a top five quarterback in the past. He was in 2021 for about 10 games of the season. He was like one of the top quarterbacks. And then all of a sudden, Cliff Kingsbury just shit the bed and the team was awful to end the year. But Kyler was definitely a guy that could be a top a top um, fantasy asset. And we were asked in the chat about um, Josh Downs. He's in with a knee injury that was reported on June 2nd and confirmed by Shane Steichen. Um, we don't know what the injury is, but we we at DD are very familiar with old Josh Downs. It's, so not great to see him injured to start. It doesn't matter, yeah. but yeah, he's a guy that you don't want to see popping no. up on the injury report because it feels like he's someone who's always on the injury report. And that's no, a bit of a problem. It, it matters, man. It, it it matters to the sense of this is what you kind of saw with Josh Downs in college. And it was one of the things yeah. that I, I love Josh Downs. I think film-wise, he graded out top five for me. You just turn on the tape and he can make every catch. He's he's phenomenal. He's, he's good in space. But the issue is he kind of felt like Paul Pierce. Felt, felt like Deontay Johnson. Every play, every other play, he hits the ground. He's limping off the field. And you, you just watch North Carolina. It seems like he was always dealing with some sort yep. of nagging injury. And my thing with those players, Jay, and I, it, it's this is kind of an off-script question, but I asked some people this the other day. Do you think that health is a skill? Like, do you think that your ability to stay healthy is true? Is it a skill? Is it, or is it random chance? And I know I'm using two of the most ridiculous examples for this conversation because they're two of the greatest players to ever play their sport. But you look at Tom Brady and you look at LeBron James, for instance, right? And those players were able to sustain elite performance at the highest degree for 15, 20 years. And is that just because they were genetically different or is it because they took care of themselves, right? And you just, you look at other players who are, who are talented, who are good, but they just can't stay healthy for, for whatever reason. Do you personally just, there is no right or wrong. I, I am curious is this, but is, is health and the ability to stay healthy, is it just random happen chance or do you think it's a skill set and when you're looking at some of these players who were habitually banged up in college or you know they, they, they've got a long laundry list of injury do you think that's something that they're going to magically overcome as you get to the highest level of that particular competitive sport right they're bigger they're faster they're stronger they hit harder you get more you know more more blows to the body more impactful hits I just, I always, I find myself asking that question, like, is this something these guys can learn? I don't know. It's one of the questions we ask about Tua right now. Can he learn <laughs> to stay healthy? I don't know, man. So in the case of Tua, I'm going to say no, because he's going to get hit and he may get hit on the head. He may fall awkwardly. And, you know, that is what it is. But in terms of the overall question, I think it's absolutely a skill. And it's not a skill from the standpoint. I think it's a skill from the standpoint of like, 
you have to actually train the right way, have the right diet. And I think part of that is experience in any league, right? You talked about LeBron James, Tom Brady, literally the best players to play their sports ever. Right. And their longevity is a product of one, a massive investment in their health, right? Both financially and physically, because we know right. they have nutritionists, trainers. Um, Tom Brady has a whole product line of things that he right. invented and developed to make himself the greatest quarterback, one of the most durable quarterbacks of all time. And I think where you look at some of these younger athletes, they are naturally so talented, so gifted. Their muscles mm. are just built different. Right, but right. then you look at some players and they get injured. And I think that's when it clicks. Okay, I'm not invincible. And, and I think that's a, a product of just being young and a little naive, right? A lot of guys come into the league, I bet, having never really had a ton of injuries, never having right. a serious injury. Then all of a sudden you have your first serious injury. You're like, damn, I got to take better care of myself. Jamal Williams, he was a player who early in his career... He talked about it. He was eating tons of candy. Him and Aaron Jones, I think both of them admitted they used to eat tons of candy and they're like, ah, oh, man, I'm in the NFL now. I got to take better care of my body, injuries, all these things. They start stacking up. And I think everyone's different. Everyone has to kind of go through their process. But I think it's a skill from the standpoint of everyone at some point in their career playing right. football is going to have a serious injury. There's just You can't play through college and even into the NFL without having some kind of fairly serious injury. Maybe it's not a torn ACL, but it's going to happen. And at that point, how do you respond? Because I feel like that's when some of these guys start to take their bodies a little bit more seriously, put more investment in time and care into their bodies. Um, when they're in the NFL and when they're in college as well, they learn these things. But right. in college, you're still kind of just trying to get to the league. But in, for me, I think it's more of a skill. It is natural for sure. But I mean, you look at a lot who of that? players. I think Keenan Allen's a perfect example. A guy who got hurt early in his career, a little bit unlucky, but has been durable beyond that. And I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of had a bit of a wake up call and said, damn, like I keep getting hurt. I got to take better care of my body. And that's how you have those long careers is once you once you really make that commitment to yourself for your long term health, it's not just getting stronger, getting faster. It's actually learning the intricacies of your muscles and your body and how to maximize your performance over the length of an 18 game season and hopefully the playoffs as well. And unfortunately, that's something we just can't measure. Like, unfortunately, yep. that's just something you don't know. And I think in baseball, who was it, Cal Ripken Jr., who played like how many straight <sighs> games he played dude, in? Dude, just it's like 2,000 straight games. Just, it's like unbreakable record. Yeah, unbreakable. just ridiculous level of, of the players who were able to. And I saw Koopa Trooper put something in and said a little bit of both and, you know, some luck there, uh, you know, luck, luck sure. involved as well. But uh, just just an interesting question as, as you look through some of these guys. And I'm not saying that's Josh Downs, but it is one of the things that was concerning but with his college profile. It just seemed to always have some sort of injury that was limiting him. Um, but a very good player, and hopefully uh, he gets everything together. Make sure you head over to Underdog Fantasy. Uh, Jay's got a lot of dope tools. Uh, Cooper Troop, who's in the chat, has put some stuff together um, with this warp tool where you can kind of look at some different things in some pockets and some areas to attack some players in the draft, Jay. But we got to get into some uh, some rookie talk, Jay. You want to... Want to get into a little rookie talk here? Let's talk. Let's talk I, through. I know you're excited. I know I you've been combing the Twitterverse, I finding the videos. You know, got to got to see all the routes, all the drills, checking the footwork. Well, I mean, right. no one else is. Justin Jefferson's not practicing right now. You know, it's just they're just the vets are half-assing it. So it's just it's rookie season, and yep. as we approach this NFL season, the enthusiasm for the young players just continues to grow, and. Luckily, we did have three first-round quarterbacks last year. We've got a lot of young bodies playing the quarterback position right now. It's almost like a QB sort of renaissance. And you look, you just look back and, you know, you, 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 you really have to sit back and say, 
everyone that we sort of grew up with that were the goats of our time, they're gone. Brady, Manning, yeah. Breeze, Rivers, you know, all these mainstays at the quarterback position there. You know, the Brady was like the last one left. I guess you can kind of lump Russell Wilson in that category. Rodgers is he, kind of probably, yeah, I'd say, the yeah, last yeah. one Rogers, now, right? Of yeah, that Rogers is like era. The last He's one, the old you, man in the room. Yeah, but you know it's, it's coming. It's, it's winding down. So we get these young, talented players that people like, right? We like them in college. They get drafted high. And now it's our first time to see him throw the pads on, Jay. And I think it's only right that we start with the number one overall pick, Bryce Young, because everything that I, I've... In my time of reflection over the past three, four weeks, I've sat back and I've watched a lot of different people talk football. A lot of different people talk about players and uh, Bryce Young is going to be awful. He's he's too small. And I've said this many times. I believe that if Bryce Young fails, it's not going to be because of his height. He's been that height his whole time. It's going to be because he just, he just wasn't good, right? But everything we're seeing right now, Jay... And this is this is some for those of you not watching. We're showing some clips from um, some OTA practices from the Panthers, and we saw Bryce Young just dot up Terrace Marshall. You see uh, Lavisca looking like a tight end out there. I think that was him. Uh, a miss by Andy Dalton. We got Bryce Young to the top of the screen, dotting up another receiver over there. Jay, and as I'm just everything that I've watched from Young, his ball placement, the accuracy. Look at this, just feathering it in there. The timing. Perfect. Everything just looks phenomenal for Bryce Young, Jay. And I want to ask you, like, have have your opinions of this young quarterback changed from the draft until now? Just seeing how accurate, how easy he makes things look. Now, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you look at him out there and he looks tiny, right? He's not a big guy. We knew that coming yeah. in. Yeah, what an awful throw by Andy Dalton. <laughs> just, but just have has anything changed for you? With your thoughts and and perception of what Bryce Young can be, are you more enthusiastic? Are you neutral? What are you, what's your feelings about old Bryce Young right now? I think the biggest thing for me with Bryce Young is actually not him the player. I think I've just very much come around on Carolina as Carolina. A team. Yeah, you know, you look at what we thought they would be. They make this big trade. They have no draft picks. How are they going to build a team around Bryce Young? And surprisingly, I think they've actually done a pretty good job. Now, they haven't been able to go and afford all these very expensive players. They do have the rookie contract at quarterback, but they do have a lot of dead cap this year. I believe it's over $50 million right now, and part of that is still Christian McCaffrey dead money from when they traded them to San Francisco. But you talk about Bryce Young and what he could be in the NFL, and you know, I don't know if I'm betting on him yet because I still believe if he hits, he's going to be an outlier. And it's just if I'm parking my money somewhere in dynasty and betting and whatever, I'm probably going to try to avoid the outliers where I can, especially at quarterback. But when you look at his situation, it looks a lot better than we kind of initially projected. And I think that's where you could see the success come from. Like nobody's in on DJ shark right now, but you know, he could actually be pretty good. He had some good years in Jacksonville. He showed some good things in Jacksonville, even in Detroit. He had some good games as well. He's could have the best quarterback of his career and no one cares. Like, it's just like, oh yeah, whatever. No big deal. I think Adam Thielen's days are behind him, but he's still a great red zone weapon for everything that he's not kind of down the field and, and getting open easily. He could still be a red zone weapon. He still has good feet, but you know, Bryce Young's not going to need a ton, I believe at least to succeed. And so it's just, what is success for Bryce Young to the masses, right? To the pundits, because he is, he's up high right now. In a lot of fantasy leagues, he's like a top 10, top 12 quarterback. I don't know if he will return that investment, 
But for a rookie, I think he could be a guy who completes 65% of his passes, yeah. throws for 20-plus touchdowns, keeps the interceptions under Agreed. 10. It just depends on the volume. But that would be a pretty successful season because even when you have quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield, who broke the touchdown record in his rookie season, didn't throw for like 3,500 yards. He was a guy who was just pretty efficient through his touchdowns. And I think that's that's what Bryce is going to be. They're going to be a run first team. They're going to run the ball. Deuce Staley is the running back coach. So there will be a rotation there. They will use Miles Sanders a ton. They'll use Chuba Hubbard. They'll lean on that offensive line and that run game. But talking about what Bryce has available to him weapons wise, considering all the draft capital they gave up and what they are in, in terms of his cap situation, I think they did a pretty good job building around him and honestly think they have a much better shot of success, especially on offense, than the Houston Texans, who while they did make a terrible trade as well, it didn't impact their draft capital as much, at least in the 23 draft, and they still don't have the weapons, in my opinion, that Carolina has. And so you look at success at quarterback in year one, I think Bryce is set up very well. I think he could do a lot of good things. It just depends on how does he ultimately acclimate, how fast is the game for him, because the biggest thing for me with Bryce Young has always been his pocket mobility. It's it's just been something that you cannot teach. If he had a superpower, that's what it would be to me. What he's done every time they need to make a play at Alabama, and Alabama was not good last year. He made that play, and I want to see that in the NFL. And I think that's what will be his calling card is can he, when everything breaks down, can he make the play like he did in college so many times? I'm, cu I'm curious what your thoughts are on Bryce because obviously you've been a big fan, but how do you feel about him in terms of his NFL prognosis as it stands right now? Yeah, man, um, that was a lot there, Jay. That was quite a bit you just you laid on us. But, I mean, nothing has changed for me. I still think he's going to be a good quarterback. I think if I were a fan of the Carolina Panthers, I'd be very excited about the future with Bryce Young at the helm. I agree with you. I think that there are some sneaky good little weapons there. I'm very, very much interested um, in Terrace Marshall this year. You look at his advanced analytics, and he had uh, his air yard share between 20 to 27 percent was a little below average, but his yards per uh, yards after the catch uh, per reception were pretty good uh, over five for Terrace Marshall and his yards per route run a little over 1.5, which is about average. So you get him um, more consistent, more accurate targets. I think Terrace Marshall could have a good season. They drafted Jonathan Mingo. And as far as Bryce Young, no, my view for him has not changed at all. I think for me, um, he's pretty clear cut and dry. My quarterback, too. Um, in the class after after Anthony Richardson. It's sort of been that way for me the entire time. Um, I'm excited for him. He's Everything that we're seeing from these clips is exactly what he did at Alabama, right? Was throw with touch and accuracy, with anticipation. And what I love most about the reports coming out of OTAs is the positive glowing reviews from his teammates about him, his character, and his leadership, which is going to go a long way, gathering and garnering the respect of NFL veterans with your work ethic and then your play, that's 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 a recipe for success. Now, the uh, next quarterback we're going to talk about is another player who who we were very high on, and he wasn't the second quarterback off the board, but he was the third quarterback off the board. Hey, Rich, Jay. I mean, you know, the, the first thing that comes to mind is just look at how big he is. Just look at him compared. He's just massive. Look how little the football is. He, he's smooth. You know, th there he is. He dots it in there. The, the charismatic, enthusiastic energy that, again, Pat McAfee's talked about it and other people inside the Colts organization have just talked about how, you know, charismatic he is, how hard he works and how damn good he's been so far early in OTAs. You see him dotting up these uh, 
dotting up these uh th- these these nets, right? These passing nets. Now he probably missed like six of them before they showed these ones, but at least yeah. in these ones, damn it, he looks good, and I'm excited. He just you look at him, you're like, how does this dude fail? Is there so much margin for error when you have this athletic, physical specimen, right, that when things do break down, that he can utilize his legs to uh, to turn and take off, Jay? But as you're watching A. Rich and you're reading the reports and, you know, you're, you're looking at the things that are going on in the league surrounding him, I mean, I, I'm going to ask you the same question, Jay. How... how are you feeling about Anthony Richardson today compared to where we were in April or or March or February? Where are you at with A. Rich today? I'm definitely impressed, right? I definitely would. He's not a guy that I was watching for the technical aspects. It's just I know what he can be and what he could be. So when you when I watch him do drills and stuff, I don't expect him to be the most refined player in the world. But in in practice and stuff, he's looking like very capable. And especially when he, a player that's known for his speed and his size, his athleticism, he's definitely utilizing that throughout the drills. He's shifting quickly through the pocket. He's running through the, t- the tackle boxes and stuff quicker than other guys. And it's just like what I see from a rich. And I think the biggest thing for me is regardless of the time period, whether it's April, whether it's June, July, I am just so excited for what Shane Sykin going to do with him because I don't know what it is about what he did with Hertz. I am just dumbfounded at the success they had last season. And a lot of it was because of the offensive line, but I am so excited for what he could do with a rich. I don't care about practice. I don't care about drills. I am just so excited to see him hit the field and what they ultimately do with this offense. Cause I think it, like you said, it doesn't seem like he has a lot of flaws in his game. It just seems like if everything clicked, he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL because he has every tool you could possibly have. People are going to say whatever they want about his accuracy that can develop over time in the NFL as well. And especially depending on how they scheme him up, that could be improved with that as well. But I just, I'm excited to see it all play out. I think he has weapons. I think they have a pretty decent team. They need to improve a little bit, but where they're at today, especially when you compare him to the other rookie quarterbacks, He's a slam dunk. He's in the right, best situation so I'm with the best you this coach. This question, we're going to revisit it because this was the one of the hottest points of contention in the fantasy football space, uh, all pretty much leading up to the draft, or at least after the combine. At least after the combine, and when it looked a little more official, like Richardson was probably going to get the requisite capital. I'm going to ask the question again, uh, super flex. Let's revisit the one-on-one conversation. Where are you at today with that? Let's just say you've got 10 one-on-ones. You got 10, 10 cracks at the one-on-one. How many yeah. of them would you would you how many of them would you use on Anthony Richardson? How many of them would you use on uh Bijan Robinson? You got 10 I would cracks probably at. go 60-40 uh in favor of Bijan. Okay. Uh, I still 60, I still I'll take that. I still I'll think that. Yeah. It's it's not that I wouldn't take uh A Rich. I think if I had one pick I would probably still take Bijan, you know, of course team dependent. Uh, factor there but you know you still want Anthony Richardson you still want shares I still don't think it'd be my dominant choice um, but I would definitely take some shots because there'd be some situations where I'd want to do that formats etc um, but if I got 10 shots I would definitely take at least three or four I, I couldn't yeah. see myself going quite 50 50 um, but I couldn't see myself going much less than that either right yeah. because I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be so exposed to Bijan um, at an 80 percent 90 percent especially of course 100 percent rate right I'd have right. to 
have a portfolio that's pretty balanced because I think both have a very good shot to be really, really good. Um, obviously, we expect Bijan to be good, and he has a ton of value in the Dynasty trade market, but A-Rich is really holding his own in that department, so I think I would be 60-40. How would you approach it if you had 10 rookie drafts? R- Rico um, hit it. 70-30 for me. I'm 70-30. Okay. Super flex, QB is king. The leagues that I play in, QB is king. Doesn't matter. Um, and when you look at... Now, this is... there's always some influence by the head coach into the offensive coordinator and what they run. But last year, when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, their run pass rate was 56% of their plays were pass plays and uh, 43% of their plays uh, were rushing plays. So if you sort of, I'm not going to just like one for one, marry that over to the Indianapolis Colts. But what's surprising Jay is where you think that the league is more, you know, 50-50, it's just not. M- most of it is like it's 55-45. Like it's when you look at the teams, there were only there was only one team last year that had a higher run rate than than a, a pass rate. Do you know who that one team was? One team in the NFL. It has to be the year. Atlanta Falcons. They're at 51-48. Yeah. That's where they were. And it's I know that doesn't equal a hundred, but there's some point da-da-da-da-da after each one. But Falcons were the only team in the NFL to run more than they passed last year. 48% pass rate to 51% rush rate. Every other team in the NFL threw the ball more than they ran the ball. So if you're if you're looking at A-Rich in that Colts situation this year, and let me just give you what the Colts did last year. I get it. This was a completely different offense. 62% of their plays were pass plays last year. 62%, yeah. 37% run rate. So a lot of that probably had to do with the fact that they didn't have Jonathan Taylor. Um, they were behind in games, so they just threw the ball. But it's yep. just interesting to see that. So... Uh, when you're doing those projections for Anthony Richardson, make sure you factor factor those in. And the last rookie quarterback we're going to take a look at is uh, the people's quarterback, man. The people's quarterback. We'll go to Tennessee. You got Ryan Tannehill here. Old man Tannehill. People just don't like Tannehill, but you you look at his numbers, and he's been pretty damn good and pretty damn consistent over the last three years. And then you got Malik Willis coming up. Malik Willis, you know, uh, some some rumors about him potentially not making the team. But look at that. Dots up that net. Then you got big, nasty Will right here. Look at him. The calf muscles, short shorts, looking good, moving through the yeah, bags. Will Levis is going to turn around, and oh, boy. Air oh mails boy. that one. All right. Um, oh, boy. Jay, let, let's, let's, talk, let's talk a little Will Levis right now. A little Will Levis. Little Ryan Tannehill, what, where are you at with Levis? Because I, I just once he fell in the draft, Jay, I just have been out. I just don't want him. I don't want to be the one to have to draft him. Nobody wants yeah. him. No one's going to trade you anything for him. And quite frankly, I mean Tennessee. We talk about how bad they are. They've done nothing to indicate that they're not going to try to go for it this year. They still got Tannehill. They got Derrick Henry. Looks like Traylon Burks is coming along. Yep. Will Levis, just is there any hope there, Jay? Is there any hope for Will? I'm not gonna say there's no hope, but definitely it seems grim right now. Um, you know, people people who watch the show all the time know I've been like the biggest Tennessee hater of all time. Like I just I don't want players to play there. I don't want them to go there. To be fair to Tannehill and to be fair to Tennessee, they actually have had some pretty efficient offenses. But they again, for in terms of fantasy. It's not really quite there. The counting stats aren't really going to be there, especially for them. The biggest indicator is the offensive line, which is god awful. Their wide receiver group is the worst in the league. So there's really not a lot of positives that if Will Levis does start, is he going to be? Here's the th- here's the reality, right? You look at Tannehill last season. He was like 
bottom seven in terms of QB efficiency when the previous season, when they had a good running game, good offensive line, he was in the top 12, right? So then you have Malik Willis. When he plays, he's basically the worst quarterback in the league in terms of EPA per play. And his and his efficiency is just god awful. Now, again, small sample, whatever. But we saw him play. We know he's not good. If Will Levis is somewhere in the middle, you're talking about a quarterback that's in the bottom five, probably in efficiency. And it's not necessarily because he's such a bad quarterback. It partially is because he has to grow into that offense, into the NFL, become a better quarterback, but also because the players on his team are god awful. So while I want to see if Will Levis can succeed, it's just such an uphill battle for a player on a bad team with no weapons. Like they're not even really contending. They're in the top five in terms of having the number one overall pick. There's just not a lot of positive in Tennessee right now. So I think right. it will be a big thing that has to go undergo for him to ultimately become a successful quarterback in the NFL. Could he do it? I'd be happy to see him do it because I want him to prove doubters wrong because people hate him so much. But it does feel like a big projection for him to be this quarterback we actually want in fantasy and can be a stalwart in the NFL for years to come. Yeah. Um, you know, again, where I'm at, a lot of people put him for fantasy at that 112, 201 spot. I'm just good. Like I'm just, yeah. I'm just good. I I just I, I don't I don't trust that situation at all. They don't seem to be married to any one of those quarterbacks. But I will say I am very excited for Traylon Burks this year. It seems like everything that we're okay. hearing out of Tennessee has been really pro Traylon Burks, positive in his direction. So pretty excited about that. I, I you know, excited and tempering expectations. They they need to be synonymous. They need to work together. I'm excited, but I, I don't believe that Traylon Burks is going to go out there and have 1,500 receiving yards this year. But I do think that he's going to perform well and take a step forward. And hopefully that's going to come behind the arm of Ryan Tannehill, who is quite efficient. When you look at what he's done historically over the last four years since taking over that starting job in Tennessee, he's been pretty damn good on a per snap, per drop back basis in the NFL. Um, where is that going to get Tennessee? I don't know. Probably mid, probably middle of the pack. They're not, Nowhere, they're, not they're not going to be. I don't care how bad their receivers are. There's no way they're going to be like top five in the NFL as, as far as picks, like the bottom five. They're not going to be bottom five, but they're probably they're really. Not gonna be you don't think so, eh? I don't think so. I don't think they're going to be bottom five team in the league. Not with Derrick Henry. Not with Ryan Tannehill. But not the with problem Jeffrey for the Simmons. problem for Tennessee, so. it can go south quick. Here's the pr- here's if the they pro- lose Henry pr- or, the or Tannehill, they're well, toast. Well, of course, I said as they currently are with Derrick Henry, with Ryan Tannehill, they're not going to be bottom five team, and they play in the worst division in football or the second. uh, So, okay, right? Okay, they play in the worst division in football. They might. They might. It's it's the where would you rank the Tennessee Titans in their division right now? Assume health for all the teams: Jags, Texans, Colts, Titans. Jags one, Tennessee two. Colts three, Texans four, or Texans four, Colts three. Tennessee second in the division. They're second in the division. Now, the AFC South defense, is buns. The AFC South is buns, but the NFC West is pretty bad after San Francisco and Seattle. I, I have no clue what the Rams I'm, are doing. I'm pretty and, sure. I'm pretty sure the South plays the South too. So this season, you will see the AFC South play the NFC South, and that's why you have like well, the, the NFC Falcons. South is okay. The NFC South is fine. The NFC it's, South is not the worst division. What's in the diff? Okay, but here's a question, right? You have the Jaguars, clearly better than the Saints. Yes. It's really not even close. Yes. So then you have the Panthers, who okay, they could be all right. The but Falcons the whole division will probably be pretty run. good. 
The whole division was seven and nine. They were, they were in the nine, playoff hunt because the division, no one could win it. That's yeah, why they're they were not, in the playoff they, hunt. They're not. It's, they're it's not. close, but so that will be interesting how that play exactly. shakes out because Brock. both those divisions play each other. Vrabel's too good to be bottom five. They're not going to be a bottom I five I like team. Vrabel a lot. I feel bad for Vrabel. I think he's a great coach, but their team is god-awful. Like, it's just yeah. the defense is great, but the de- but the offense is going to be really bad, and they yeah. haven't done anything to make it any better, and that's the biggest problem. So well, they, talk, I think they'll probably be third. I think well, let's Indy talk about the year. let's 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 kick it over to the to the NFC and let's go to the NFC oh. West because oh. sort of probably the biggest piece of news that's happened over the past week and we're still trying to figure out a little over a week now. But it was the release of uh, DeAndre Hopkins, right? Hopkins, the Arizona Cardinals, and I saw Gannon and company said yesterday that it was the be- in the best interest of their team moving forward. So now it's sort of the carousel of where. DeAndre Hopkins is going to play. And where these odds come from, Jay? These DK? This DraftKings? DK Sportsbook. Yes, sir. DK. The Cleveland so Browns plus, plus 100. To go what? to the Cleveland Browns plus 400. Detroit Lions plus 500. The Buffalo Bills and plus 700. The Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Jay, there was already some stuff coming out uh, where it said that I believe Buffalo wasn't in on them. Kansas City, yeah, Dallas, not in. That's what they say, right, on DeAndre Hopkins. Then mm-hmm. Hopkins said that he's open to returning to Houston, and he's also open to returning to playing with Deshaun Watson. So where do you think DeAndre Hopkins ends up? Because for me personally, I'd love to see him. Just for selfish reasons, because I want to see Mahomes with an elite receiver, I would love to see him go to Kansas City and and walk right into a true number one receiver role. He would be much different than Tyreek Hill. And thankfully for us, we wouldn't have to compare him to Tyreek because they're two different players. But he would step into the wide receiver one role. Like, it's it's no Tony. It's no Richie James. It's no Scott Moore. It's no Rasheed Rice. It would be DeAndre F. and Hopkins. But where do you want to see him play? And where do you think he ends up ultimately? You know, when I when I've looked up the odds, I was pretty surprised to see Cleveland so high. You know, I'm you pretty mentioned shocked Houston. to see that. They're like 15 to 1. Baltimore's 15 to 1. We know we saw him linked to Baltimore early. Probably not going to go there anymore. Yeah, Scott said it. Buffalo did sign Leonard Floyd. So that was pretty interesting to see Good that. Um, yeah, 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 to pair him back with Vaughn Miller, and then he'll probably swap out with Gregory Russo uh, rotating there. Yep. But I think what's interesting about Hopkins is, one, I want to see him on Buffalo, so he's probably not going to end up there now. Kansas City, you know, for everything that... Tyreek Hill was in Kansas City, people really underrate what he did in his final season and how many short passes and plays he made for that team to get them through on third downs, to make quick decisions and get the ball out of Mahomes' hand a little bit faster, which is where Newt could definitely thrive. I still want to see him play for for uh, Mike McDaniel in Miami because I think that would be just awesome, but it's not going to happen. That's just what? that's my own personal dream. I what? do, man. I think I think an offense no. of Newt Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, no. and Jalen Waddle would be no. just ridiculous. No. No. Just ridiculous. That. No. I think that team would so be because go out there and get 62 targets. No, I don't know. No, no, that, he would, man. bro. He would still no. get his touchdown no. upside through the roof. I, I think that would be a great fit because he could play in the slot. He'd be unreal. But I, I think he, I think he's probably gonna end up in Cleveland. And when you talk about best fit for him, his best seasons in the NFL were with Deshaun Watson, of course. And so bringing that pairing back, 
The chemistry is there. The route familiarity is there. How they run routes. I'm sure that uh, Watson would make fun of Hopkins saying he lost a step, but he'd still be very good. Still could operate next to Amari Cooper. They could operate as co-alphas. Both are great route runners, can play the slot and can play outside. I think the flexibility you have on offense with both those guys would be phenomenal. And they kind of need a weapon as well. Like they got DPJ. They yeah. got David Bell. They got uh, they Elijah Moore, who they tried it for. Hear, uh, but it, it drops Cooper. off pretty quickly after Amari Cooper, Cooper right? Got so Amari getting Nuke Cooper. would be huge huge for them and then Ray I think the question remains and if you want to go there if Cleveland does get new Hopkins where would you put the Cleveland Browns in the division we got the Baltimore Ravens we got the Cincinnati Bengals I think we got Pittsburgh probably at fourth maybe unfair to Mike Tomlin but probably at fourth but that would be a much more formidable offense if they had new Hopkins at the helm Listen, Jay, I'm very much in on Deshaun Watson this fall very much so you I, I understand that he looked very rusty in the six games that he played or the few games that he played. I think he played six games um, at the end of the season, something like that. But I, I, I am, I am in. This offensive line, they still have the pieces up front. They underperformed last year offensive, offensively, right? And sometimes yeah. a lot of that is predicated on your bad defense, putting you in at, you know, bad situations. They're not advantageous for the offense, I am very bullish on Deshaun Watson this fall. I do like the weapons that he has. I like the weapons that are already there. Nick Chubb, David Njoku, Amari Cooper. You brought in Elijah Moore, whatever he can provide you as that slot spark. You draft the Cedric Tillman. You still have a field stretcher in Donovan Peoples-Jones. And again, you've got the guys up front. You And then they hired, I believe they brought in Frank Polak to run their offensive line, uh, an O-line guru. So I am trusting that Cleveland will figure things out up front. But you added DeAndre Hopkins to this offense, Jay. Um, It'd be very good. It'd it would be, very be good. It, this, this, we, we talked about the NFC beast last year with Philadelphia and Dallas and the Giants. I'd be hard-pressed not to say that the AFC North would be the best most competitive division in football. And there's some good ones, Really? Right? I don't want to under... You've got the Cincinnati Bengals. They've been to yeah. goddamn Super Bowl damn near two years in a row, right? you got Joe Burrow and Chase yep. and company. You've got the newly revamped Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson and his historic contract under the belt. Andrews offensively defense, Roquan Smith. They've upgraded that. Still wanna, worrying about the, the, the corners, but you still have Baltimore. Then you have this Cleveland team. And then for whatever Pittsburgh is worth, you still have the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they've got a competitive defense, a strong running game. Yeah. So you look at it, you could say, you know, the AFC East is still loaded with uh, with Miami, with Buffalo, of, of course, in that division. The NFC East is still loaded. But you add DeAndre Hopkins to this Cleveland Browns team, and I think it's the most competitive division in football. I would be tuned into every single AFC North game. Would I pencil Cleveland to overtake or to overthrow the Cincinnati Bengals as, you know, as the, as the division champs? I don't know if I'd go that far, but we saw three teams in the NFC East get into the playoffs last year. I definitely mm-hmm. think we'd be in line to see three teams from the AFC North reach the playoffs. Now, what I want to ask you is the counter to DeAndre Hopkins, I think he's going to end up in Cleveland as well, personally. I think the Detroit situation would be insane. He lands in Detroit with golf, yeah. with Amon Ross St. Brown, with Gibbs, with with the, with Ben Johnson in that offense. He would probably be very, very good in that offense. Um, my question to you is the other side of this mean. Uh, what does this mean for Arizona? Like, what is, is Arizona 
openly committing to the tank for Marvin Harrison, tank for K, whatever their plan is. I mean, what does this mean for the Cardinals right now? I think they've they've been let it known, man. They're they're tanking. They don't want Buda Baker for some reason, even though he's oh, a he's top Bengals. safety. Frank in the Pollock NFL. is with the Bengals. Excuse me, Frank Pollock with the Bengals. Look at so Scott. Good, Scott had to let us for know. Joe they Burrow. have a. They have Bill Callahan, actually. I was looking it up. They, they Bill have Bill Callahan. Cal- Callahan. He's still good. He's office. still good. Yeah, he's, he's a good mind for sure. But uh, back to Arizona. Yeah, they're tanking. Um, they're, they don't want to win games. That's why it's the Colin Moore situation is so interesting, right? They had Jonathan Gannon. I know JV was on, on the show with me. He does not like Jonathan Gannon. He thinks Jonathan Gannon is awful. Like, okay, he thinks well, we'll he's see. a we'll fraud give, personified. We'll give, we'll give so we'll see. JG some time. Let's give him a little <laughs> we'll time. See. But you think about like Monty Ossifort wanted other coaches. He couldn't get anybody in the building. Like, I think we may look back to this offseason and say, maybe there was a reason beyond the the roster and Kyler Murray mm-hmm. that coaches didn't want to play for Arizona. Yeah. Because maybe it was like public that they were not going to try and win games because they knew their quarterback wasn't going to play. And it sucks for them because Kyler Murray's on his fifth year option this year. So the last year of his cheap deal, then he comes back next year fully healthy with a 45 50 million dollar contract cap hit which is going to obviously affect the offense as well so getting rid of nuke was essential for them yeah but i mean they got to be tanking you know you look at marvin harrison jr the favorite not first non-quarterback to be taken on DraftKings plus 110 which was really surprising for me usually that's an edge rusher plus, marvin harrison get plus 110 plus one to be the first non-quarterback selected obviously it's caleb williams minus 500 to go first overall drake may 500 to go first overall marvin harrison jr the first non-quarterback plus 110 which again that's that's pretty heavy favor i love marv but i don't i don't know if he'll be the first non-quarterback taken but yeah arizona clearly is all in on these two guys um, yeah. whether, whether they get Caleb or not and what they do at quarterback, but it seems to be right. I would, I'm not going to say it's a guarantee, but if I could bet Marvin Harrison jr. To be playing for the Cardinals in 2024 today, that's a bet I would probably make because, because with the draft capital they have, there's pretty much no way that if signed, they really want Marvin Harrison jr. They could go out and get him. And they haven't re-signed Hollywood yet. Have they, they haven't given him his extension when they traded for him. I don't think, I don't think Hollywood's gotten a deal yet. They should. They should. He and, and should. Listen, I, I, I was probably first saying that the, the Arizona, and at first it started off as just a joke. I was like, the Cardinals are tanking for Caleb. They'll move Kyler Murray. And while that's still a theoretical possibility, I just, the financial situation, I just don't know. It, and if, if Kyler ever hit the market, I if I were in the NFL team, I'd be trying to get him. I know some people are like, if you yep. got to put a clause in there about, Call of Duty, I don't want him. But when he's on the field and playing, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So if he were ever available, you think the market was hot for Watson? I mean, I'd be I'd be yeah. doing everything I could to get Kyler Murray and his uh, contracts I, locked in, which is huge yeah, as well. I, I just right? don't think it's going to happen. Realistically, it's fun to talk about. Man, what if they can get Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison? But the reality is, it's probably going to be trade one of those picks for a King's ransom. Um, I'm surprised Joe Alt is not up there for uh, odds to be the first non-quarterback selected. He was he's a, pretty high. He was in the top four. He was a four, freak tackle sure. out of Notre Dame. But it's going to be interesting to watch that play out. I do think Nuke ends up in Cleveland, and I think that duo of Hopkins, Amari Cooper, you know, Elijah Moore, <sighs> and Joku, DPJ, and Seth Tillman and David Beller, way down the list, way, way down the list. And if you're still old Anthony Schwartz, get out on that as well. So uh, there's some other things going on, too. Got a bunch of injured players, Jay. Coming back. Oh, here we coming go. Coming back. Bunch of injured players coming back. And one of uh, one of fantasy football's uh, most beloved darling running backs is back on the field. 
and he's playing, Jay. And he and he looked. Listen, it's it's one clip, right? Javante Williams, and uh, we'll just loop Damn, this. He so can we run, can, so we can feel like it's longer than what it is. But Javante Williams suffered that devastating knee injury a couple of games into the last season, and you know there was a lot of rumor and speculation that his career is over. He's done. He's never going to play again. Hang it up. He, he he's not there. He's got the the Rob Gronkowski. A bionic leg sleeve uh, yeah. brace thing on. But listen, he's on the field in early June, cutting, participating in football drills, Jay. This is um ultimately this is good news for Javonta Williams. It's exciting for Javonta Williams. We want players to go do what they love to do, which is play ball and play well. And Jeff Mueller, who does uh injury stuff for us, Jay, he tweeted this out about Javonta Williams, right? He said uh, seven months, nine days out. Great sign. He's loading, decelerating, and jump cutting off his right leg. Then with noted comfortability in, in full extension acceleration off of the right leg upon reestablishing his base, whatever that medical stuff means. Um, and then he just says, uh, you know, range of motion looks pretty good. Not seeing what we saw with J.K. Dobbins last August with limited range of motion of his involved side going through these drills and yada, yada, yada. I'm becoming to think... He's ready to contribute week one, which is three months, 10 days from now, likely timeshare. Then he has some uh, some interesting pictures and videos of of uh, J.K. Dobbins going through this kind of stuff last year, Jay. So l- let's just talk about Javante Williams. He's coming back. How you feeling about old, uh, old Javante now? And and for me, let me just say this. I'm just personally excited that he's back on the field and playing, right? I'm good. To, I'm glad he's on the field. Glad he's able to participate. What are you thinking we're going to see from Javonta Williams coming back? I think it's hard to say. You know, he's playing in a Sean Payton offense that will be a running back rotation. He's always had a running back rotation. Whether Javonta can really seize the majority share of that rotation, we'll see, right? It'll depend on his health. And and like Jeff's saying, right now he looks really good. I don't know if I'm in quite yet because his price is still surprisingly high like when you look at him in underdog drafts we thought that he would kind of fall when there's reports well he may not make it through the season he's kind of on that jk dobbins track his price still was you know up in the 70s 80s in underdog drafts and i was like oh i don't know and so now you see these positive reports and it's like well i mean goddamn, his adp is going to skyrocket because people are going to be back in um at that price i'm probably not going to be in i just may go another direction but at least at this point from what i'm seeing i'd be willing to take a shot here or there it wouldn't be a guy i'm all in or all after because that rotation can be tricky like i do believe that samaj p ryan will have a pretty solid role in that offense because he can do everything from a three down skill set i know you don't want to believe it but like regardless of what at what time i mean ray if you go back and look at saints running backs Deuce McAllister was getting carries. Bro, everybody under the sun gets carries yeah. in New Orleans. So I think there will be a rotation. Right. Javante, if he right. can seize the if he can seize the large majority of the rotation, that would be great. I think it will come down to for his value, how many passes does he catch ultimately with P Ryan being there, being a good pass catcher, being good on third down, or will he be more of a first, second d- down grinder, at which point his value may be somewhat capped, depending on what his touches ultimately are in this season. I think he'll be good. I don't know what to expect from him for fantasy, though. I think I may still be fading a little bit, but at least he's on the field running good. And especially from Jeff's prognosis, headed the right direction, could be even on track for week one, which is ultimately what we want to see for all these guys coming back off injury. Well, this player's on track for week one. Jeff said said it right now. So 
Somebody said he's hitting 22 miles per hour on oh, the GPS, Damn. but we're looking at Jets running back Brees Hall, who too suffered an ACL injury. And I don't believe it was as devastating as the one that Javonta Williams suffered. But here you see Brees and shout out to, to Mama Hall, Miss McDaniel, who watches the show, Brees' mom. Um, but he looks good. There's no there's no knee brace. Brees looks thick, doesn't he? Looks big. Looks he big looks big, yeah. Looks like big left tackle Lenny out there. Yeah, yeah. Brees, Brees has got some of that summertime, summertime uh weight on, but he'll 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 get that off and he'll be ready. But Brees Hall, you ready for Brees? You know, you you're talking Javante, you're not ready. And uh Brees Hall's cutting around and he, he's looking good, Jay. Brees is looking good. And again, Jeff said that uh long story short, oh yeah, Brees Hall is playing week one. Um yeah. he's saying straight line or not, six months out, it's looking good. Non-linear movement, three months to go. He's on track to play in week one. So does this does this give you the confidence to be like, all right, I'm I'm good with Brees. I'll draft him, draft him in redraft because that's really what it boils down to. In dynasty, you're good yeah. with him, but are you picking him in seasonal leagues? A lot of people watching the show they just play fantasy for for the season, right? Is this a player that? I believe an underdog. He's coming off the board. What third round, third fourth round he's, in underdog drafts. So, uh, uh, are are you optimistic enough about Brees Hall to be like, I'll take him seasonally, like this year, underdog redraft league? You're in on Brees. I think I am. Yeah, you know the the issue for me with underdog drafts is that he goes before Najee Harris, a player that I think will have a massive workload this season. Yeah. Um. And then there's there is still the concerns of well, what does the running back rotation look like for them early on? Because I mean, it's going to be an Nathaniel Hackett offense yeah. coming from the Matt Lafleur system. How do they ultimately deploy these running backs? Because again, Brees Hall, phenomenal talent. And when he was playing, he was great. But how many touches do they give him coming off that injury? Right. But I mean, when you see a guy basically doing a cone drill off an ACL, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, that that guy's good to go. He, I'm sure he's still doing lots behind the scenes. Still oh, has yeah. lots he has to go through to get hundred percent. Little kid, little hitch in the giddy up. But it's June 5th, right? By the yes. time September rolls around, he'll be good. And I think the uh, more important part is I feel very confident in what he will give us down the stretch when it yes. really matters. Maybe yes. week one to four, he's a little slower and isn't getting, you know, the 15, 20 touches a game. Maybe he's a little lower. He's like the 12, 13, keep him limited touches, catching pass out of the backfield. But he looks like he can do everything they need him to do on the NFL field to succeed. And down the stretch when they really need it in, in you know, November, December, January, that's when I think Brees Hall will be fully ready to go, recovered, and and, and more importantly, has the stamina to really con um, handle all these touches. So I think for me, that's where I really like him. Um, in terms of his, his draft position right now, I think it's fine. I think the upside is definitely there playing in an Aaron Rodgers offense. It's just how does he ultimately start early? And I think that will be the concern for some people. But over the long term, like weeks four through 16, 17, I feel very confident in what we will see from Brees Hall. Yeah, and Matt asked this question, what's your value difference between Javante and Brees in Dynasty at the moment? For me, it's quite wide. Um, I kind of don't even have them in the same tier. They're they're much no. different. I've got Brees Hall in a workhorse tier, a three-down back tier, um, somebody who can handle all three downs. And I've got Javante Williams in a separate tier. He's a committee lead back. I think he can handle all three downs, but more than likely he's going to be in a committee role, and he's quite far down that list. I've got nine other running backs ahead of him. I'm still not all the way in this year. I think his underdog ADP is a little wild. It's kind of asinine to me, given the format of how that tournament is set up. I just would not, you need the points. And I wouldn't be investing a lot in Javonta Williams over there, but like him, I'm enthusiastic. I hope he comes back. Uh, Jay, I want to talk about another guy coming back. And this oh. is this is one that we kind of dismiss 
and discredit. Um, he's the he's the uh, an original YOLOer uh, himself. But let's talk about let's go to uh, L.A. and talk about old Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford, oh. you see him right here airing it out. You know, it's two two yeah. Atwell catching the ball down there. You know, we could we can debate on whether it was underthrown, overthrown. But Matt Stafford had a uh, injury riddled season, and the the Los Angeles Rams didn't do a ton. Um, it, by way of free agency or in the NFL draft to kind of add more pieces around this Rams team. But where are you at with Matt Stafford? And l- let me just say this. If Stafford is playing, I just want Stafford. I want Cup. I want Higby and probably Cam Akers from that offense. And that's just about it. But when you're talking about a quarterback who's got Cooper Cup at his disposal and Sean McVay is going to allow him to just YOLO, air it out, chunk it down the field, get the ball – I mean, Matt Stafford could be a sneaky target seasonal leagues, even though Dynasty, we don't value him very high. I think he's a one-year bet. Where are you at with old Matt Stafford and that elbow? Is is, is There's a lot of people we're talking about um, Stetson Bennett, and we're oh talking boy. about Bennett and how many starts Bennett's going to get. But where are you at with Matt Stafford uh, this season, Jay? I think I'm out, man. I I don't think I oh want to deal with Matt Stafford. Right. I, I I like All Matt right. Stafford, um, but right. I don't think we're seeing the 2021 season from Matt Stafford. Unfortunately, Ray, I'm sorry. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but when when you're in company with Justin Fields and Russell Wilson in terms of passing efficiency, I just I don't want it, but he's man. Gonna like, throw a lot. He's gonna throw a lot. He's got Cooper Cup. He can- he could throw a lot, but he just wasn't very good. And that's yeah. with Cooper Cup. And people forget, Ray. Cooper Cup was on track in like not in complete respect, but in some ways to have a better season last year than he did the previous season because he was just on fire and he's really the only weapon there. But then Stafford got hurt and all these things like I want to see Stafford get traded where he can go to a better team where he has an offensive line because that's what broke down for the team. They didn't have the offensive line and Stafford really needed that. And you saw that from week one against the Bills when they got destroyed. Stafford got sacked like eight times. He was throwing the ball away. He's getting hit like crazy. And it just kept happening. Obviously, Stafford ended up getting hurt, didn't play the rest of the season. And the like you mentioned, the Rams defense, god-awful. Going to be terrible. How many games does Stafford play? I don't know, but uh, it, it doesn't seem like they're going to trade him. They probably should. It seems like based off where they're headed, they should be trading Cup. They should be trading Stafford. But, you know, where we're at now are out. in the quarterback market. A lot of people in the I just, chat, they're out on Stafford. They just said the back Where's issues. the upside going to come from, right? <sighs> Even in even for one year, this year for the Rams looks no better than the Arizona Cardinals. It really doesn't. Like if you get Kyler Murray back, who's well, worse? Not, is it the Rams or is it the Cardinals? I think the Cardinals are still a worse team. You still have Aaron Donald. You still have Cooper Cup. You still have. Cam but they have Akers nobody t- outside of Aaron Donald. They have like they have like ten rookies on defense and Aaron Donald, and that's it. They don't have anybody left. They got rid of pretty much everybody they have, right? That's the biggest yeah, problem. They're, they're that, they're, you they mentioned are, they're going to be bad. The Rams they will throw the ball a lot. The Rams and the Cardinals are bottom five teams. The, we, we were talking about Tennessee. Tennessee's not a yeah. bottom five team. They're not good. But the Rams and the Cardinals, they should be said, a bottom five teams team. from the NFC West are literally battling it out for being two of the worst teams in the NFL. And we've got one more video clip, Jay. We've got one more. Uh, this player, uh, a lot of people still love this player, returning from injury. Let's go out west. Let's stay in that, uh, that. Let's stay there. Look at old number five, Trey Lance. Woof. What? 
watching old Lance right here coming back from the ankle injury. And uh, yeah, just what? I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do Lance dirty like that, Jay. I'm not. You just did. I'm you, not going to. You could have pulled any clip. Well, here from we go. Trey I got another one. Here we go. <laughs> there we go. There's old Lance, Boom. right? Boot Threw leg. it behind George Kittle. Huge. L little behind. Little behind. But. You know, it looks good, right? Kittle got it. And there was another one where he threw it down the field. I'm not going to do Lance bad, but let, let's talk. Let's talk Trey Lance coming back because this is a, a real storyline, Jay. This whole goddamn San Francisco quarterback room. <sighs> Jay, last year I was all in. I was full steam ahead. Trey you Lance were? could be a top five quarterback for fantasy I football tell you? train. I, mm -mm. Dude, he got hurt. Come on, man. Mm -mm. It, it wasn't like he mm -mm. did it and then failed. He got hurt. Then he gets hurt, and Brock Purdy steps yeah. in, Jay. And he plays really well. I mean, you can... How well? Quite well. Tell him, right? Well, quite well, yeah. Well, you, 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 I mean, I could pull it up. You want me to, you want me to go into um, sort of where he ranked uh, from an efficiency standpoint last he year? He was second I mean, in EPA per play through the divisional round behind Patrick Mahomes. Only quarterback behind Patrick Mahomes is one Brock Purdy in EPA per play, which is insane. And I think it's, I think it's, there's two cases for Trey Lance. One, the San Francisco system is disgusting, right? It, it, it makes no sense that they even have coaches because we, t and remember, Ray, when Sean McVay came, like really came on the scene, everyone was hiring Sean McVay's coaches. Everyone. And now San Francisco getting poached like crazy. But one of the crazy things, right? You look at the top four quarterbacks in EPA per play last season through the divisional round because I needed some more games for Purdy sample. Three of them are in a Shanahan system. They are Brock Purdy, Tua Tagovailoa, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Only The only quarterbacks behind Patrick Mahomes in terms of passing efficiency. Why are more guys not running this system in the NFL? Because clearly it has been successful. It's not just successful with one quarterback. It's been successful with three quarterbacks. One quarterback that we know isn't very good in Jimmy Garoppolo. One that people don't believe is very good in Brock Purdy, even though he was very good last season. And no one believes in Tua Tagovailoa, even though he is a great quarterback. The issue for him is obviously the concussions and whether or not he can stay healthy. But does Lance really have a shot to be this efficient in this offense next season? Because all the indicators show that the quarterbacks that do play in this system succeed because it's been that great and that quarterback friendly overall. And, and, Where are you at with Lance? And, and Can listen, he take this job? Listen, everybody from this subset, the sample size is tiny. It's a tiny sample size, but EPA per drop back, two quarterbacks from San Francisco were top five last year. Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo were both over 0.2 uh, EPA per drop back. The only players higher were Tua, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Trey Lance last season, and I get it, two games, right? Two games, two games. Trey Lance was negative 0.14, which was 52nd in the NFL, right? And I'm just, there is a yeah, lot of Yeah, the monsoon game, there. right, in Chicago. And then they add Sam Darnold, Jay. Would you believe this, that he was sixth in the NFL in EPA per drop back last year, right behind Brock Purdy. So you've got Brock and Sam <laughs> Darnold. You've got Trey Lance. I just... This is a situation where I don't know because if Lance starts the season and looks good, why like let him play, right? He was the you traded all the picks for him. He was the number three overall pick. See what you have in him. But everything that's coming out of there is Purdy still has the locker room. He's he's yeah. looking good. Ian Rappaport was on Matt Pat McAfee saying that he's gonna be he should be ready by week one. 
I have mm-hmm. no idea what Kyle Shenanigans is going to do. Right now, we can kind of dead the Sam Darnold starting because it looks like Lance Seems is taking like it, yeah. all first-team reps, thank goodness. We don't need to see Sam Darnold start any more games in the NFL ever again. The, the real question is, where? how much conviction do you have? How much do you want to believe Shenanigans that he's going to roll out Lance or he's going to give Brock Purdy the opportunity, Jay? That's really the question. Man, I, that's that's the biggest problem, Ray. And to be honest, there is no way in hell I believe that Brock Purdy isn't going to have that job. And that's the biggest problem right now. You look at what Trey Lance could be, and I and I do believe in the talent. I do believe that Lance could be a phenomenal quarterback in the NFL. But based off what we're seeing in San Francisco right now, it just seems like there's no way they're going to give him that chance. And I think he deserves it. You know, he was a top three pick. They traded all these draft picks to get him. But if we're being honest, Brock Purdy looked pretty damn good last year. George Kittle's out there partying with him, saying that he's going to be the next big thing in San Francisco. We know that San Francisco doesn't really care who their quarterback is as long as they run the offense effectively and they score points. That's what they care about. And if Trey Lance can't do that, then they're going to roll out Brock Purdy. And and based off what we're seeing right now, I don't know how good Trey Lance would have to be to keep that job, but I think it would have to be pretty damn good to actually save off Brock Purdy. is I don't think there's any, like, I, I, it's, it seems I'm, very unlikely. It seems very unlikely. He'd have to put up like 30, 40 points a game to keep that quarterback job. It seems like it's Purdy's job um, pretty much the way it is right now. But again, you look at the efficiency of these quarterbacks. If Lance can do that, he will probably be the starter because, I mean, Purdy, yeah, every game he started. Right? Everyone in the damn system has been efficient. So why can't, so, why can't Lance be efficient right now? It's a very good who, point. Who He's not that type that of quarterback, he, right? Somebody tweeted out the dude ain't played like meaningful football since like 2017. They were like, they went back to his like high. He's thrown since high school. I think that was the stat. Since like his final high school game, he's thrown like 400 passes. And that was like 2016. Yeah. 20, like what? Yep. Like when you think about that, you're just like, wow, man. Um, it, This is a room where I, I'll just tell you the seasonal leagues. I, I'm not. I'm not. You can't invest in Lance. Any of them. I'm not. I can't yeah. do it. You draft him an underdog. You might literally have a zero, right? I, any of yeah. them. You draft Purdy or or Lance. You might have a zero. This is going to be an interesting one to see to see how this plays out, Jay. I, I have. I honestly have no clue. If Purdy hadn't been hurt, it would have been an easy call for me. I'd be like, it's Brock. Purdy. Oh yeah, it'd be like, Purdy. And, and, but the and, but the thing is, Ray, and it's still that's the problem. Is it's still June? By the time August rolls around. Brock Purdy may be on track for week one and I'll have already gotten hold of that starting job before maybe, Trey Lance maybe. even plays games. And that could maybe. be the big problem. But if I was betting on a quarterback, it would 100% be Brock Purdy. I don't want to today, but maybe as things get closer to the season, I'd be willing to. But again, the problem is, is what's that ceiling for Brock Purdy? It doesn't seem to be very high. The All price right, isn't Jay. too high, but the ceiling doesn't seem to be very high either. Let's do some quick hitters real quick. Some more players coming back from injury. Tony Pollard. He's running, cutting, full speed. He's back. Not limited. RB what finish on the season for Tony Pollard? He could he could absolutely smash this year in Dallas, who did nothing to upgrade the running back in the offseason. Um, they've, you know, their offensive line is coming together. Tyron Smith is healthy. They're getting Terrence Steele back. Got to do some stuff with the guards. They probably kick Tyler Smith down or, or leave Tyler Smith at left tackle. And everything I'm hearing out of Dallas is not even guaranteed that Tyron Smith, the Hall of Famer, is starting. On that really? offensive line. Yeah, man, it's not a guarantee oh that Tyron Smith is starting with uh, with the ascension of Tyler Smith. But Tony Pollard, Jay, top five running back this year, I think it's within his range of outcomes. Top five? I think, it's, I I think mean, he could be a top five running back this year, 100%. 
so on underdog, he's RB7, right? Mm-hmm. So that automatically puts you in contention for for top five running back. He's right there being drafted I'm there. I'm him over Brees in seasonal leagues. There's there's no... Not he's even over Brees court. already, though. Okay, he's way good. over Brees. Good. So good. the guy's ahead of him, and I think, to be fair, you can make a case for every one of these guys. Let's go. Christian McCaffrey, Bijan Robinson, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, and then Nick Chubb is probably the one you could easily no. make the case for Pollard over. Yes. But the other five... McCaffrey, Bijan, Eckler, Taylor, and Barkley. I can make a case Taylor's that Tony Pollard the one Bijan. I can make a case that Tony Pollard outscores Bijan. Okay. I, I don't... <laughs> Bijan is is good. He's going to be good. But do I and anticipate him... And the volume will him, be there. Do I anticipate him in Atlanta this year having 330 attempts, 2,000 rushing yards like some people are out here projecting? Hell no. Hell no. no. Like from a from a variety, it has nothing to do with his skill set or talent. Why on earth would they just abuse the shit out of him in his first season like that? Like there there are people out there whose expectations of seventeen hundred rushing yards for Bijan yeah. Robinson, and I don't think that they're going to do that him like that. I think they will continue to use some uh, Tyler Algier. Oh, yeah, Tyler spe- Algier like I just work. I don't think they're going to do that to him this year. So I do think there's a world in which Tony Tony Pollard. In 23, definitely outscores Bijan Robinson. Hell, maybe even Saquon Barkley. I think he has got the ability to be a top five running back. And I'm I'm pretty confident in that one. It has nothing to do with Pollard individually being better than Bijan or Saquon, but the opportunity, the offense, the scheme has changed with Brian Schottenheimer, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but I, I can make a case for him being a little better from a fantasy perspective than a couple of those running backs that you listed off. Yeah, for sure. And I think JT is another one. You know, if we look at what we expect from a rich and a rushing quarterback, a rookie quarterback who's not going to be as efficient as the veteran, plus the fact that a rich may run for some touchdowns as well, taking away from the touchdown ceiling of JT. But I think the other part we have to acknowledge is that right now, Tony Pollard's ADP is probably a little bit inflated because there's nobody there. They're going to bring in a running back. Like, I don't see a world where Dallas doesn't bring in a veteran. We don't know what veteran it's going to be. But I think at that point, that may drop his ADP behind a Derrick Henry, behind a Josh Jacobs, potentially even behind a Ramondre Stevenson to where Brees Hall is at. And then I think at that point, you may want to get in because I think there's still a world where he does have a 55% touch share and especially dominating through the air, which we won't see, you know, if they bring in the, if they bring in someone else, they're probably not going to take too many pass attempts. It'll be more so in the running game, yeah. grinding out the carries, right? All right so at that point, I'm, I'm kind of cool with it. I think that Pollard's going to be a good good running back this year. I don't know about top five, but he's, he's right there on the cusp. Let's sure. go to your favorite player to talk about and uh i'm just gonna read this quote as it is uh, the falcons expect kyle pitts to be ready for the season opener jay what the hell does that about, mean how do you feel about your boy kyle pitts is he expects him everybody to be ready for the season opener <laughs> uh, did he like tear his acl or something why well, is he, he expected his, he, he tore his mcl and had the surgery i think november or yeah. december yeah, so, yeah, it was late. It was late in the year. Are, are you good? Fine, are we okay? Are you good? Bro, I'm good. What, the people what are good. do you expect, Ray? I mean, this is Kyle Pitts. This is one of the most overrated fantasy assets in history because what has he done? Is he going to have an alpha target share? 
Uh, I mean, I don't know. Drake London's pretty good. He commanded a lot of targets. Everyone wants B. John Robinson to have 70 targets this season. Thankfully for Kyle Pitts, there's no wide receiver of consequence outside of Drake London, so someone has to get targets on this offense. Desmond Ritter should be much better. Arthur Smith, as you mentioned, runs the ball more than he likes to pass the ball. I think that will change a little bit this year. The one good thing going for the Atlanta Falcons, they have the easiest strength of schedule. Their opponent ranking is, I believe, 41% win percentage last year, which is by far dead last in the NFL. So... I like Kyle Pitts, but we saw how bad he was last season, and part of that was Marcus Mariota, sure. But part of it is just the system that they run, and if he's not the number one target, then he's probably not going to have a ton of fantasy value. His entire fantasy value is predicated on two things. There is nobody in Atlanta, and he's a tight end. If he wasn't a tight end, and there was actually players to throw the ball to in Atlanta— he wouldn't have as much value because he hasn't been the alpha since he was a rookie. They drafted Drake London you, and Drake you, London commanded the targets. What is you in this alpha thing? You are just so dug in. Because he's because people expect all these guys to get 130 targets. No, but you, One guy no, can get no the most guys. targets. You just said there are no guys besides Pitts and London. Yeah, that's the one thing going for him. It's Pitts and London and that's it. And I still think London's going to have the majority of the target share. And that's why I would rather have Drake London than have Kyle Pitts. That's just, that's how I see it. And then, of course, you already mentioned Bijan Robinson's going to catch passes. How many does he catch? We don't know. Could be 70, could be 80. Who the hell knows how many passes he catches? Probably will be in the 50 to 60 range. At that point, doesn't take away from Kyle Pitts too much, but we'll see. You know, his off target percentage was fucking like through the roof last year because Marcus Mariota couldn't hit him. Then he got injured when Desmond Ritter played. So we really have never seen Ritter and Pitts and London all together. Um, But we do have to remember that London and Ritter went through rookie minicamp together. They have more chemistry than he has with Pitts. So we'll see how it shakes out. But I fully expect that um, Kyle Pitts will be fine, but still maybe a little bit overrated as far as I'm concerned. I still just want London, and that's pretty much it as far as pass catchers. I mean, there are a lot of players, uh, you know, returning from injury, trying to make their way back. And I thought this was a really impactful one for Buffalo. It seems like their defense took a hit when Von Miller went down, but he is on track, and he feels he'll be ready to play in the season opener versus the Jets. You're looking at Buffalo, Sean McDermott probably on the hot seat, but getting a player like Von Miller back for the beginning of the season would be huge for Buffalo. And, and, And I know a lot of people don't, don't really look at the defense when you're trying to factor in potentially what these players could do from an offensive standpoint for fantasy, but getting 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 opportunities to to get turnovers on downs, to to get fourth down, to third down stops, to force the ball to be punt, to to put your offense in scoring positions. This would be very good, not for not just for Buffalo from a team standpoint, but also what. Josh Allen can do from an efficiency standpoint. Having good defensive players back. Scott dropped in the chat today. Leonard Floyd just signed with Buffalo, so they're trying to revamp their pass rush group. They gave Ed Oliver that big deal. So Von Miller feels like he'll be ready to play in the 2023 season. Good for all the players returning from injury, Jay. And the last little thing that I just want to touch on really briefly before we get out of here, and It's a question that I have for you, Jay, because I have shifted these players around in my personal dynasty rankings. But the Philadelphia Eagles reportedly expect Jalen Hurts to to make another jump in his development, right? They believe he could be one of those elite precision type pocket passers. Um, They love the, uh, the addition of DeAndre Swift. And I tweeted this out yesterday, Jay. Let's just go to the old timeline. Um, But I tweeted this out a couple of days ago. So Jalen Hurts last year was 16th in pass attempts, right? You had players like Davis Mills, Matt Ryan, 
Daniel Jones and Derek Carr have thrown throwing for more pass attempts, having more pass attempts than Jalen Hurts. Despite that, he was fifth in EPA per drop back. He was fourth in completion percentage over expected. And he had an 80.6 PFF passing grade, which was sixth in the NFL. If Philly feels that Jalen Hurts can take that step forward, right? And you look at just what he did. And as you increase volume, and a lot of people wanted to remind me in the comments, right? You increase the volume, the efficiency goes down. Uh, but to a certain degree, it's not like every other every pass he, he takes, you know, uh, as an increase is going to mean he's more inefficient. So when I'm looking at what Jalen Hurts did last year, and to think that, man, if there's still room for him to cut it loose, right? What if he was 10th? I'm not saying he's 5th in pass attempts, but get him up. Get him up to be in top 10 in pass attempts. How much better could Jalen Hurts be, Jay? And for me, right now, personally, this is why Jalen Hurts is my quarterback, too, in Dynasty. It's Patrick Mahomes, then it's Jalen Hurts. Over Josh Allen, over Joe Burrow, over Lamar, over A. Rich. I got him second. I, I think that there is still more that he can accomplish and do. I mean, he outplayed Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I don't care how you see he outplayed him. They didn't win the game, but he individually was the best quarterback on the field in that game. Now, the loss of Shane Steichen does hurt, but another year yeah. with A.J. Brown, year three of Devontae Smith. They bring in running more, more running backs with Swift and and uh, uh, Rashad Penny. You got Jason Kelsey yeah. coming back. Lane Johnson is healthy. What do you think about Jalen Hurts, man? Before we get out of here, where are you at? Are you still Allen over Hurts? I'm Hurts over Allen. That's where I'm firmly at and pretty comfortable with that. So I'm definitely still Allen over Hurts. Um, I'm I'm surprised, I think, by you saying that because I think part really? of the reason why Hurts is so good for fantasy is because he runs. So if he's passing more, well, is that really going to... Why, is that's that, kind of why is that Josh give him Allen the fantasy is good upside? That, is yeah, that but not Josh why Allen, Josh Allen is good? Yeah, so I'm saying you you give you give Josh Allen the same splits as Jalen Hurts. I'm not sure if Jalen Hurts outperforms them, right? And that's kind of where I'm getting at. It's like Jalen Hurts was a great rushing quarterback. He ran for 13 touchdowns last year, which is he going to do it again? I don't know. But part of the reason why they run the ball so much, Ray, is because they have the best running tackle in the league. They they were one they were by far the best rushing offense in the league in terms of EPA per play. And so you look at that and their efficiency on the ground. I don't think they're going to go away from that. I'm curious how they ultimately deploy their quarterback because obviously. They don't want to run them a ton. If they can just run the ball with their backs, they'd happily do that. Hertz will still run. We'll see how much they run the rugby scrum play because that was so effective for them last year. But if he does pass more, it would be great for him. I'd be curious how it works out for him for fantasy purposes because we know that rushing is still better for fantasy, even though from actual quarterback play, we want them to throw the ball, get the ball down the field, the receivers, all of that. Um, because I think what that could do is it could lend itself to us actually having real value for both A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. At times last year, it felt like it was one or the other, and you could never predict who was going to be every given week. And it didn't seem good. like... He, they were both really they good. They were both good. But... Can they, can he, cause again, he, he supported two from a whole season, but can he do it week after week after week? Because he only threw the ball to basically like four people it was him, Dallas Goddard, and then the two receivers and the running backs here and there. Other than that, they ran the ball and that was about it. But if you give him more pass attempts, I think he can be great. I'm curious how he would look next to a Josh Allen with those same type of splits. Cause Josh Allen throws the ball a little bit more and you're, and where you're discounting Josh Allen a little bit. And where I think people are forgetting, yo, this man tore his UCL midseason and I'm played not, I'm not almost that. every game. So like, and Josh Allen's been on an MVP trajectory for a long time. We've been expecting him to win the MVP for the past two seasons and the Buffalo Bills to like go nuclear one year. 
it could be a revenge tour for Josh Allen because he was not healthy last year. And I don't want to make excuses because he was still pretty good at times, especially late in the year. But we may see an even better Josh Allen this year, fully healthy, ripping the ball left and right. And I'm curious how, how that may look next to a Jalen Hurts. I still have Allen at two, but I can't blame you for having Hurts at two because I think they're both going to be great this year. They both have great offenses. Nothing's really changed for them. And both quarterbacks are going to see the ball a ton Throwing yes. the ball, running the ball, yes. they will get there. They will get theirs, yes. and they will get it to their pass catchers as well. And we're happy about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. However you slice it, those top three quarterbacks are phenomenal. I mean, the whole cluster of uh, of top quarterbacks. It's just, it's fun, and this is why. And before I get out of here, I got to make my my uh, contractually obligated plug to stop doing snake startups and do auctions um, because you just get screwed. I, I'm going to, Scott Connor and I are going to start a show and we're just going to talk just different strategies and theories. But if you get, if you're in a snake draft and you draw the 111, the 112, you're just absolutely screwed, screwed. from a quarterback perspective. You're just, it's unfair. I don't want to pick freaking Dak Prescott at the 111, 112. You're just kind of screwed. Um, auction is the way. And we are going to start dropping auction content for everybody out there because people have been asking about it. But Jay, 90 minutes, baby. An hour wow. and a half we have gone on the show. Airhorn that bitch up. I appreciate everybody being in the building. Yes, Barry. Auctions only. No, I don't have any QJ clips, Elwood. QJ was dope, though. It was good to see QJ uh, and Justin Herbert getting some in. But I appreciate everybody tapping in on this Monday and rocking with us. Uh, we will be back next week. We've got a lot of content on the DD schedule coming through. Uh, via podcast and some things in the Patreon. So make sure you're over there, patreon.com forward slash all gas, updated the Dynasty ranks. Uh, big shout out to Dynasty Barry, to Scott Connor, to, to, to some people who have helped. Cooper Troop have helped me sort of refine and change how I fundamentally approach evaluating prospects and sort of formulating rankings. Um, stop putting them in one big list and just going one to 150. You need to separate them because not all players are created equal. But Jay, good show. Appreciate you holding down the fort without me, but we're back. We're on schedule. No wake up uh, for the rest of the week. We'll be back on Monday. Got some good stuff on tap for y'all going into that. And uh, we plan to have a lot of fun over here on the channel. Jay, anything you want to say to the people before we get out of here, baby? No, man, I would say check out the podcast feed because there's going to be a lot of new stuff coming. So make mm-hmm. sure you're subbed to the DD Radio feed. You will see some cool things on the way. And that's all I will say. That's it. Some cool things. But there's a lot of good stuff on the way, not just for the show, for the podcast feed, and even more beyond that. And so we'll definitely excited for everything we got coming. Cheap, cheap, cheap asses out there. There's a plenty of free stuff coming. Free 99 for everybody out there. Handouts from old GQ. Love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We appreciate the support. Hit the thumbs up button. Like the content on your way out. Y'all have a fantastic week. We'll see y'all on Monday. Peace. Before y'all close off of the video, I just want to say thank you for checking out the content on Destination Devi. Really appreciate every single view that we get. And the only thing that I ask is that you hit the thumbs up button, like the content, subscribe to the channel. And if you can, comment below for the algorithm really helps the channel grow. Now, if you want more exclusive access to me and the entire Destination Devi team, patreon.com forward slash all gas gives you that access. Now, if your money's a little funny, we do have free content for you. Make sure you subscribe to the All Gas newsletter. There's a link in the description of this video below. And subscribe to the Destination Debbie podcast radio feed, where we got all types of shows hitting airwaves every single week. Now y'all can get out of here. I appreciate y'all tapping in. It's All Gas all the time. I love y'all. I'm out of this thing. Peace. Peace.